G'day, welcome along to another sermon from Good News Christian Church in Howrah, Tasmania, Australia. I'm Bernard Kane, I'm the pastor. Get in touch sometime at goodnewschristianchurch.org or why not come by one Sunday morning. For now, here's the sermon. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Uh, we read Psalm 23, we read it at, at, uh, we read it at funerals. We read it in the hospital, Um, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We read it at the graveside, but we read it to remind us as well of how good God has been to us, don't we? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. (laughs) See, we read it when we feel vulnerable or small, when we feel bullied or weak, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And on it goes, I'm sure you know it. Brothers and sisters, this morning, it's my hope and my prayer that God, through John 10, as we continue our series in John, as we look at, well, here really, so many words of Jesus, as we learn that challenge of living and believing in a Lord like Jesus while we live in a world like ours, uh, it's my hope that God, in John 10, would deepen our grasp and our love of this simple truth that the Lord is our Shepherd. Um, I want us to be able to pray that and say that, to sing it and to mean it more fully for having grown in our estimation of Jesus and grown to more fully give ourselves to Him. Please pray with me and then we'll, we'll dwell for a little while in John chapter 10. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Your Word is full of such rich metaphors And very often they pass us by pretty quickly, easily read, soon forgotten. Father, would you please help us this morning to see and to grasp and to know the Lord Jesus as our shepherd and us as his sheep. Mature our faith in that way, we pray. Amen. Gullible, weak, thick, slow animals. That's sheep pretty much for us, isn't it? Uh, In our estimation, unable to see beyond the herd, um, incapable of initiative, they'll follow anything that moves. Uh, That's sheep. If I call you a sheep, at best, like at the very best, I'm a mate who is trying to slap some sense into you. But more likely, I'm insulting your ability to stand apart, to think for yourself. That's sheep, right? Now, shepherds, well, actually, I think we go one of two ways with shepherds. On the one hand, yes, we've still got this, it's the oil painting, isn't it? We've still got the limp, weak, lamby, cuddling, um, gutless, oil painting shepherd. Can you picture him in your mind's eye? It's just sort of, they, they multiply, don't they? Can you picture him? No one wants that guy on guard, at 2am in the morning when there's, there might be a wolf pack kind of, you know, trying to skirt the bottom of the hill. No one. That guy, I mean, no one. But I think uh, shepherd, is it fair to say, 
it really does evoke another image. Perhaps it's a peculiarly Australian thing, I don't know, perhaps it's just the sands of time, but do you know what I mean? I'm saying, haven't we watched enough episodes, or at least seen the ads, of Farmer Wants a Wife to have a different image in mind? Now can you call the image to mind? The, uh, it, it's, it's the bloke, can you see him there? The blue, bon, blo, the blue Bonds singlet, see him now? The sun bronzed shoulders, that cheeky grin, and what is his passion? His passion is quad bikes. Do you know what I mean? Can you picture him there now? Shepherd. Yep, he would be the guy that you would want uh, fighting off wolves at 2am, but sadly, we kind of suspect that he'd be sleeping off the night before, you know? Brothers and sisters, for those reasons, we've got a real problem when we come to John 10. Uh, The people of God in Jesus' day, they longed for a shepherd. They looked forward to a shepherd. They didn't mind being called sheep. No, they longed for a shepherd promised by God, a shepherd to really lead, like with political savvy and ability, a capable man, and unlike the usual fare of leaders, you could trust this guy not to fleece you, uh, do you remember the crooks that, that Alex read about from at the start of Ezekiel 34? No, no, no more of that. God had said, Ezekiel 34 verse 15, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. You know, God Himself, I myself. Or further on, verse 23 uh, in Ezekiel 34, I will place over them, this is the Lord speaking, one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them, he will tend them and be their shepherd... Uh, The people in Jesus' day, they didn't mind the idea of a shepherd at all and they didn't mind being called sheep. That was no great insult. In a sense, it was just a fact of life. Yep, people follow leaders the way sheep follow shepherds. I'm sure you've heard this kind of comment before. Unlike Western shepherds who drive the sheep, This is just one of the standard commentaries. I'm sure most of us have heard it before, but in case you're not aware, unlike Western shepherds who drive the sheep, often using a sheepdog, or I would add a quad bike, um, the shepherds of the Near East, both now and in Jesus' day, lead their flocks, their voice calling them on. The sheep follow simply because they know His voice and by the same token, they will run from anyone else uh, because they do not recognise a stranger's voice. So, I'm just trying to break down the barriers for us of being referred to as sheep, looking forward to a shepherd. So, this morning, O beloved sheep of Good News Christian Church in 2016, O beloved sheep, let's take three statements of Jesus from this passage and I would like you to weigh for yourself these three questions as we go on through. Three statements that I hope are emblematic of all of his teaching here in John 10. And I'd like us to weigh three questions. The questions are these, I'll tell you them up front. Question number one, do I really know the voice of Jesus? Is His the voice that I know and that I follow in life? Question number two, could I say that He is truly my shepherd? Or so far, have I tried to kind of keep a few, you know, hedge my bets, keep a few shepherds on the go, or perhaps no real shepherd at all. Is he truly my shepherd? And lastly, question three, does he have my heart just as I have his? Does he have my heart just as I have his? Question number three. Three questions arising from three statements of Jesus. The first one's actually there in verse four, that's the one that I'd like to focus 
on first. Let's read from verse 1 though, we'll go from verse 1 of chapter 10 and as you'll remember from Alex's reading, it follows on, doesn't it, from that episode last week, get the, uh, the MP3 from the website if, that's, uh, if you missed it, uh, where the man who was born blind was healed. Oh my goodness, a man born blind could suddenly see again thanks to Jesus, this is amazing, but he did it on the Sabbath and so the religious leaders, they got all kind of tied in knots, something plainly the work of God and they couldn't handle it and they decided instead to see Jesus, uh, well, very much as their enemy actually. Uh, Anyway, uh, it continues that conversation from chapter 9, Jesus is speaking, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognise a stranger's voice. And Jesus tells, uh, John tells us, Jesus used this figure of speech, but they didn't understand what he was telling them. So the question is, do I, do you, really know the voice of Jesus? Is his voice, is his the voice in life that you know and that you follow? Let me just come out and and, and say this straight in terms of what this is doing in the passage. In context, Jesus is telling the Jewish leaders what? He's telling them what is happening under their very noses, if they care to see it. He's saying, you see this little crowd that I'm gathering around me as I wander around? You see my little crowd of disciples, my followers, you notice how they listen to me? You notice how they obey me? You notice how they, they look to me as we travel around? Well, that is because I am gathering a flock. They pay attention to me and as you soon discover, they will ignore you, O Jewish leaders. In fact, to be fair, take a look at verse 1, he's being a bit harsher than that, isn't he? Because who are the other people trying to get at his sheep? Verse 1, thieves and robbers. Do you see the backhand that he's serving them there? Bring this forward to us though, okay, if that's then, are we, verse 4, his sheep who follow him because we know his voice? Are you? I mean, it's a lovely picture and all, isn't it? You know, the, the shepherd, he comes to the guy who's operating the gate and he, the shepherd goes in and they hear his voice and there's all these sheep in there and, and suddenly these beautiful little sheepies, they kind of hear his voice and they bustle with one another and out they go. That's a beautiful little picture. Could I make um, two comments here quickly? Number one, firstly, first and foremost, I think his voice, what Jesus is talking about, his voice here, narrowly it's talking about becoming a Christian. All right, follow this further down as we go through the rest of the passage. You'll have to test what I'm saying here, but I think that's what he gets to. You hear his voice, you get saved. His voice is the gospel, responding to that call, do you see? So it's not first and foremost that you follow his moral rules, that you do all the things that one of Jesus' sheep 
ought to do. Not in the first, in the first instance, it's just responding to his voice in that call of the gospel. It's not about obeying lifestyle choices in general, not first. And so I've got to ask, are you sitting on the fence rather than finding your place in the flock? Have you heard the call? Have you heard his voice in that once for all kind of a way? I think that's the first implication here. Jesus says, you can tell who belongs to him because they are the ones who hear and they're the ones who follow. Are you hearing? Are you following? And I'm not talking about the person next to you. I mean you. Can you hear? Are you following? Please don't keep cruising along with with mum and dad's faith. I'm not asking about their faith, I'm asking about yours. Please don't keep cruising along, coasting along with your spouse's faith. No, he calls his own sheep by name. Have you heard the call of the gospel? Very brief second comment before I move on is simply to say, yes, of course, I do think there is an ongoing element here. Okay, yes, I'm I'm labouring the hear his voice, respond to him, follow him. Yes, of course, there is an ongoing element. I think we're going to see that um, as well. I won't dwell on it right now, but I'm willing to bet that uh, the voice of Jesus isn't the only voice in your life, is it? As you go through, so make sure that you know it well enough to pick it out from the crowd, to pick it out from the noise. Do you know his voice? I'll leave that for now. We'll return to it in our own way later on. The second statement is there in verse 9. Uh, Shall we pick it up from verse, uh, just verse 7, uh, just that paragraph there? Please read along with me. Verse 7 of chapter 10. Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All right, he's mixing up the metaphor now. He's changing the picture, okay? So don't worry about the the shepherd for a moment. He's now the gate. Here we go. I am the gate for the sheep. Verse 8. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He'll come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life, and have it to the full. (laughs) So get this, if he was saying to the Jews, first of all, my sheep are mine and they're not yours anymore, right, if he was saying that first of all, what's he saying now? How would you put it? Isn't he saying, if anyone wants salvation, anyone, if anyone wants life, or life to the full, if anyone wants security from God, you know, come on in, or if anyone wants blessing to go on out and enjoy pasture, I am the gate, the one and only, me, I am the gate. Isn't that what he's saying? That is a full-on thing for him to say to the religious leaders, isn't it? So, so here, was, here was my question, could I say that he's truly my shepherd? Is he the gate through which I go to find life and salvation? Or am I trying to fudge along with, frankly, no shepherd at all? No one telling me what to do. No one calling the shots in my life. No one's voice who I will unwaveringly commit to following when the tough decisions come or when temptation comes. I'll just do it my way. See the alternative there that we're facing? 
Have we gone in by the gate that is Jesus or not? I found this a really, uh, a really helpful uh, statement here, a, a way of putting it. See what you make of it. This one commentator says, everyone who wants to live a Christian life has to face this. You are no longer going to be your own man or your own woman or your own boy or girl. You are going to belong, every bit of you, to someone else. You're going to be a sheep who has a shepherd and it is time, he says, that Christians began to realise that. You are either for Christ and altogether His or you have nothing to do with Him. Jesus doesn't soften that down in any way, uh, says this commentator. I think he's right. At that last bit, Jesus does not soften that down in any way. I think we see that, don't we, among our friends, among people that we love, that, that trying to hedge your bets with Jesus. And I wonder, if that's you, if you're trying to hedge your bets with Jesus, a little bit of Jesus, but he doesn't get to really call the shots, please hear this loud and clear, he is the gate to life. If you're loitering around at the entrance, so to speak, that is not the same as going in. It's not. May I say something to our leaders here, particularly, I'm thinking of my, my, my brother, elders, um, in particular, because that's the other side of this, isn't it? It's, it's largely a discussion about leadership and to the then Jewish leaders of the time. Brothers, especially my fellow elders, as we lead, as we teach, as we pray for, as we pray with our flock or God's flock, lead the flock to Jesus. For with Him alone is life and life to the full. Their life will not be more full if they go that other way. Oh, it might be more lucrative for a time or more pleasurable or just plain more fun in one respect or another for a time. But if they leave Jesus behind, to use a phrase, they're only going to have a banquet in the grave. And it's our task to call them to that from time to time. On a much lighter note, <laughs> on a much lighter note, thirdly now, um, this week, uh, just coincidentally, I was reading a bloke who just happens to be, get this, both a Christian preacher and a former shepherd, like an actual, like his dad owned a farm, it was in Scotland, um, and, you know, there were actual paddocks and sheep, uh, delivering lambs, buying stock, all that kind of thing, an actual shepherd, as well as a Christian preacher. Anyway, he had this story that he tells, which really unlocked for me, um, just the, the key point, I think, from the next paragraph, and I, I really wanted to share it with you. Um, here's his story. He says, sometimes in my life as a shepherd, Doug McMillan is his name. Sometimes in my life as a shepherd, I was given a sheep that was gifted to me as part of my shepherd's wages. He explains, I worked for my father, you see, and I didn't get very much money. Now, if you go to a sheep or lamb sale, you'll very often find a little lamb that will come in and the auctioneer will say, now here's the shepherd's lamb. That lamb was a gift from the owner of the sheep to the man who was shepherding them. And he says, get this bit. He says, I have seen shepherds and pretty hard-bitten shepherds too, almost in tears, 
as their lamb was sold. Isn't that an image? Because the lamb had been gifted to them, it meant a great deal to them. And they spent a lot of time looking after it. No lamb in the place was better looked after than the shepherd's lamb. And he says, so it is with Jesus. Here's what it helped unlock for me. Jesus really loves his sheep. Jesus really cares about his sheep. Jesus really cares about me. He cares about you. Not just in some abstract, concepty, thinky kind of way, but like a shepherd. Can you picture him there? This kind of brute of a man with the bond singlet on, who's suddenly having a bit of difficulty talking straight because his little lamb is up for sale. Do you see? Verse 11. I am the good shepherd, says Jesus. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand isn't the shepherd who owns the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away and then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand, he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I think he's talking about non-Jewish Christians to come. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down my life of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that so often, don't you? Jesus laid down his life for me. Jesus laid down his life for sinners. Jesus laid down his life. It's just, it becomes these words and you hear it and you know it and it becomes, yes, I know that, it's just an idea. No, no, no. He's saying, unlike a hired hand, unlike political leaders who, oh, they send me letters in the mail, why? Because they want me to vote for them. Unlike the advertisers who will splash all sorts of images of delightful life before me, why? Because they want me to buy their stuff. Says Jesus, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Brother, sister, I just want you to know he loves you. Do remember that? Like the guy at the lamb sale whose heart's with the little lammy. He loves you. Remember that? Cherish that? And cling to that. The Lord is my shepherd. Mine. Can you say that? To conclude, brothers and sisters, can we say today, the Lord is my shepherd? Is he to you your comfort as you remember the green pastures? Is he your confidence as you walk paths that are too dark for you to see at the moment? Has he been that to you in the past? If he is, may I ask you to, just for conclusion, to call to mind someone who can't, who can't say that. And I'll leave you with these words from that shepherd preacher, Doug McMillan. He says, 
I've been hearing a lot of talk about longing for revival in Wales. You might remember Wales had a, a revival in 1904, 1905. Well, it's had a few, but that was kind of the big one. And uh, ministers seem to always look back to that. It's sort of the golden age. How do we get back to that? How do we see another revival like that uh, in Wales? He says, I've been hearing a lot of talk about longing for revival in Wales. Well, when revival comes to Wales, one of the things that will happen is that Christians will talk to men and women that are lost and without a shepherd. They, Christians, will cry and mourn and weep over men and women because they are without a shepherd, won't they? Are they doing it yet? Someone, he says, was asking last night, when will we know when revival comes to Wales? When will we know when it comes to Scotland? He says, when we can go down on our knees before God and weep for men that are lost. And they are lost even now in this life, not just over the brink of eternity, they are sheep without a shepherd. Don't sneer at them, pray for them. Love them in Christ until you bring them to Christ. My sheep hear my voice. Please join me in prayer. Yes, Lord, we long to see men and women come to the Lord Jesus and share what we have. Lord God, we know that our lives are far from perfect. There are times of green pastures, but there are times of the valley of the shadow of death. Father, we trust that in Christ we have life and we have it to the full. We experience glimpses of that now with joy, with delight, but we look forward to the, the consummation of all things when the Lord Jesus brings a new heaven and a new earth and sets all the wrong things right. We long for that, we look forward to that, we thank you that we've come in by the gate that is Jesus into a sure place and that even now we get to go out and enjoy something of the pastures of your good life. But Lord God in heaven, we long for our brothers and sisters, sorry, for well, literal brothers and sisters in some cases, for our family members, for our loved ones to come in to the Lord Jesus as well. And we ask, would you please grant that we not indeed sneer but pray? Uh, we Father, Father, we pray, would you please excite our hearts all the more for the lost, for your cause among them? Grant that the that we would seek with all of our ability to share the Lord Jesus, our great God, our loving shepherd. Uh, and Father, we, we do pray with, with compassion for those who in life, they are without a shepherd. Um, some of them we love and frankly, they wander through life pretty directionless and at times with a fair bit of self-destruction along the way. And God, we pray for them this morning. We ask, would you have mercy? Lord God, if there are any here today who need to respond to the call of Jesus, we ask, would you do that work in their heart, please? Um, would you grant that by your Holy Spirit, that even quietly now in the quietness of their own heart, that they might respond to the call of the gospel, the call of their great shepherd, the call of the one shepherd over the whole flock, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray it for his name's sake. Amen.